Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is a RegWatch News Alert, part of our Last Stand Canada coverage on vaping. Joining us is jo Dr. John Oyston, anesthesiologist and harm reduction advocate for reaction to the vaping products flavor ban just implemented by the province of New Brunswick. Dr. Oyston, thanks for coming back on RegWatch. Uh, thanks, Brent. It's always nice to be here. Well, anyone who says government is chronically incapable of moving quickly is proven wrong by what just happened in New Brunswick. In a matter of a few weeks, the government tabled a bill to ban flavors, and today that bill is now law. What do you think the health impacts will be as a result? Well, I think this is going to be a great day for the tobacco industry in Canada. I think the tobacco lobbyists and the people who make money out of tobacco will be very happy and will be hoping that the rest of Canada will follow New Brunswick's lead in, in banning flavors and vape products. Uh, because we know exactly what's going to happen here. We have the scientific studies which have predicted what's going to happen. But more importantly, we know what's happened when they did this in San Francisco. When they banned flavors and vape in San Francisco, cigarette smoking went up 30%. And I don't know that there's anything different about the legislation in New Brunswick compared to San Francisco that's going to make us have any different result. So I think this is a disaster for public health. I think it's a disaster for smokers, for vapors. And I think it's a disaster for public health generally, because one thing we've learned out of the COVID epidemic is that it's important that public health decisions are based on scientific fact uh, and not on things that are untrue or things that people wish was true. So, I mean, obviously, the question is, could this lead to more disease and death? I think absolutely. Um, there is good evidence that cigarette smokers who switch to vaping have less lung injury, less heart injury, less risk of cancer. Cigarette smoking is definitely way more dangerous than vaping. But the thing is that you have to make vaping attractive to smokers. And a couple of things that encourage smokers to switch from vaping to smoking, sorry, from smoking to vaping, uh, is that in general it's cheaper. And one of the things that makes it more attractive is that it's available in a range of flavors. And there's clear evidence that flavors are attractive certainly to teenagers, but they're also also attractive to adults. And you know, people think that all these uh, dessert flavored things are aimed at children, but they're not. Uh, I can show you a chart which demonstrates that both people who smoke and people who don't smoke actually prefer vape in dessert flavors, in fruit flavors, in ice cream flavors. And it's better for cigarette smokers who are switching to vaping to use something that is not tobacco flavored uh, first of all, part of their motivation is to get away from the smell and taste of tobacco. Uh, almost nobody, even smokers, wants uh, their room, their cars, their clothes to smell of tobacco smoke. So the sooner they get away from tobacco and into you know, a fruit flavor or whatever makes them happy. You know, like I have one person I dealt with who loved Earl Grey tea, and so she vapes Earl Grey tea flavor. I know another vape store owner who loves Fruit Loops, and she vapes with Fruit Loops flavors. Um, because to be honest, vaping doesn't give people entirely 100% the satisfaction they got from cigarette smoking. But if you can bring in a flavor that gives you some sort of childhood memory or it's something that you're fond of as an adult, uh, that's one of the things that encourages uh, people to stick with vaping and not relapse back into cigarette smoking. Now, politicians aren't known to be, you know, up on everything. So is it is it, are they finding this information themselves and really, you know, is that the instigation for it or are there groups or are there you know third parties that are really driving this that's a very interesting question and certainly 
I think a lot of it is concerned parents and you know, parents are finding out that their high school kids are vaping and, and this is a new thing. It seems to be a thing that's scary. Uh, the media have all these scare stories about you know, exploding vapes and lung injuries and so forth. And so the parents are naturally scared, but an enormous amount of this is, is media hype, that media is playing up very rare problems. You know, for example, there have been a few cases where vapes have exploded. But there's been, for every one of those, there's thousands of people who've died because they were smoking in bed and their bed caught fire. Or there's people who were smoking at a campsite and the whole campsite caught fire and it started a forest fire. So it's that sort of disproportionate assessment of risk that is leading people to do things which in the long run are going to do more harm than good. Now, you said you said up at the front that the tobacco industry is, you know, doing a victory lap, but you can certainly see the Lung Association and the other health groups doing a victory lap as well today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very strange. It's very disappointing. So I, I have the press release from uh, Barbara Walls, who's the director of health promotion for the Lung Association. And so she is lauding this ban, but the document is inaccurate. You know? So it says, for example, although some may be of the opinion that flavors encourage smoking cessation, there is no science to support that. That's just simply not true. There are plenty of scientific articles which show that flavors are important in helping smokers to quit smoking. So right there, there's a, a simple statement which is untrue. And I think it's outrageous that somebody who is you know, the public relations person for the Lang Association of New Brunswick is, is saying something which she ought to know is false, that they haven't done their research on this. If they're saying that there's no evidence, they really just haven't worked hard enough. And then the other thing which is interesting is they quote as part of their background and part of their reason for doing this, uh, a study by the Heart and Stroke Association. Uh, they published a 2020 Youth and Adult Ratings Project report. Uh, and so this was talking about, amongst other things, the risks of um, vaping. And again, it contains things which are just completely untrue. So it, for example, it talks about uh, lung injuries from vaping and in references uh, particular Evali. So Evali was something that happened in 2019 um, and the CDC uh, recognizes now that this actually had nothing to do with uh, regular nicotine vaping. This was due to THC vaporizers that were contaminated with vitamin E acetate. This was a black market, um, uh, it, there was an issue with black market products. You know, and so to say that uh, vaping causes lung injury and then talk about Evali as a, a demonstration of that. Um, that's just totally inaccurate. And it's hard to understand how they could say that in good faith. You know, this is a report that came from not November to 2020, by which stage even the CDC in the States had long recognized that Evali, although they'd called it e-cigarette and vaping associated lung injury, has actually nothing to do with nicotine vaping. So they're basing their whole argument on a tissue of lies and, and things that they should know are lies and things that have been debunked. So it, it's very disappointing to see public policy being led by things that are basically factually untrue. And what could be the ramifications of this? Obviously, you know, as you said, uh, once one province does something, well, this is number two now because Nova Scotia, of course, decimated their vaping industry and left a lot of vapors, you know, holding the bag, kind of, right. so to speak. And now that's happening in New Brunswick. And then, of course, Health Canada is right now reviewing a whole host of potential restrictions that could be just as devastating. 
Yeah, and, and, and certainly that's a very real risk that this is something that might head all the way across Canada. And again, it, it, it's a shame because people aren't doing their research because there have been studies. There was one in the United States uh, asking people what they will do if flavors get banned. And in the United States, 38% of people said that they would mix their own flavors. This is a complete recipe for disaster. Like if people start looking through their kitchen cupboards and say, oh, vanilla extract, I wonder what happens if I put that in my vape juice. Oh, um, black count ribena juice, let's put that in my vape. This is exactly how you get problems. This is exactly how we got Ivali. It's from people just messing around and thinking, oh, well, we'll just play with this, right? And then uh, in the States, 9.7% of people said if flavors were banned, they would return to cigarette smoking. Uh, and in the UK, there's a study in 2019 um, saying that 20% uh, of people said that if flavors were banned in e-cigarettes, uh, they would smoke more. And 10% of people said that they would make their own. So it's it's obvious that the flavor ban doesn't work. And I, I really don't understand that there's already a ban on selling and providing vaping equipment to people under 18 and in 19 in some places and 21 in PEI. So... Why do we need a flavor ban? Why don't we just enforce the legislation that we actually have, which actually does what we want to do, rather than do something else, which is likely to be ineffective and is also going to be counterproductive. It's actually going to make it harder for cigarette smokers to quit. And it's going to make it harder for vapors to stay vaping and not relapse back into cigarette smoking. So the whole thing is just, it's crazy. I just don't understand how this can be happening. It just it's not based on science, it's not based on good public policy, and it's going to achieve the opposite of what people say they want to do. It's, in the end, it's going to make more people more sick, because when it comes down to it, vaping is generally a reasonably healthy activity. And that's an, a re, reasonably healthy is perhaps the wrong word. Vaping is very, very much less harmful than cigarette smoking. And so we really need to be encouraging people as far as possible to vape instead of cigarette smoke. And at the moment, what they're doing is they're just thinking in a very lazy way. And, and I've seen this said, they said, oh, banning flavors in cigarettes was the right thing to do. So banning flavors in vape must be the right thing to do. This is just stupid, lazy, knee-jerk reflex thinking. Okay, because the problem was with cigarette smoking, we don't want people to smoke cigarettes. We don't want anybody to smoke cigarettes ever under any circumstances. So clearly we want to do everything we can to make cigarette smoking as unpleasant as possible. And if stuff like menthol or any other flavoring in cigarettes makes cigarettes more attractive, that's absolutely a bad thing. And people were correct to ban flavors in cigarette smoke. But with vaping, we have to be much more nuanced. We don't want non-smokers of any age to take up vaping because vaping is, less, is more harmful than doing nothing. But we do want smokers to switch from smoking to vaping because that's a huge public health gain. And in order to do that, we need flavors. That is part of the whole vaping infrastructure. It's part of what makes vaping acceptable. It's a part of the reason why people find it so easy to quit smoking by vaping. And if we lose that, then we'll have more smoking. And you know, when we have this target, we want to get to 5% smokers by 2035, then we need vaping because without vaping, there isn't a mechanism that will get us to that target. Well, Dr. Oyston, thanks for joining us on this RegWatch News Alert. We'll have more from our interview with Dr. Oyston in a later edition of RegWatch. Stay tuned.